Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, a relatively new hasher who's made a big impact on two hashing clubs on two continents where he became part of mismanagement very soon after joining. He's also worked to revive a very small hash. Welcome on the podcast today, Sasquatch. Welcome. Nice to be here, man. Tell us from the beginning, when and where and how did you start hashing? Well, I wish I'd discovered it a lot sooner because I've spent most of my adult life traveling around the world. It was only when I arrived in Dili, the capital of Timor-Leste, that I came across the hash. Over in Dili, there is not a lot to do in terms of tourist attractions and things like that. Actually, the hash is in the Lonely Planet. So I knew that there was a running club before I arrived, but at the breakfast on my first morning, I met another British guy, and he said, well, we do this thing called the hash and we think you'd be perfect for it. So I arrived in Dili on the Friday morning and by Saturday afternoon I was at my first hash. Do you remember when that was and who that British guy or what his hash name was? Yeah, his hash name is 3D, which stands for the Delectable Duchess of Dili. That was in August 2019, so I'm coming up on two years as a hasher. You hashed in Dili for how long? Not as long as I would have liked. Uh, unfortunately, COVID came along and with Timor being a third world country, I was a little worried about the state of the healthcare system and I made the, uh, the decision to leave. Actually, only maybe a week, two weeks after I'd been appointed as RA, which was really disappointing. So in total, I think it was about eight months. That's pretty fast to go from finding the hash to RA. How did that happen? I tend to throw myself into things. The hash became like a family very quickly for me. I looked forward to it every week. It was my escape from everyday life. The, the difficulties that comes with living in a poor country, the work schedule that I had. I started to learn all the songs, very, very rarely missed a hash. I think in, in eight months, I think I missed maybe three. All but one of those were because I was outside the country. I had to do visa runs and things like that. So, uh, the hash was not something that I would miss lightly. Our our RA left. Who was it? His name is Nutson. He's the current GM of the Chiang Rai Hash House Harriers. And he left to move to Chiang Rai. And it left a massive hole in the Dili hash. Now, I don't presume to have been able to fill that. But it wasn't long before the, the GM came to me and said, you know, how would you feel about helping me out? What are the traditions of Delhi hashing where you first learned hashing? What's the hash like there? The main difference between where I hash now and when I was in Delhi is the prick of the week. We don't have that here in Budapest, but that was something that even though it sounds like a punishment, it actually wasn't. You had to carry a mug around with you. You had to carry it around for a week. And then if you went into a bar and you saw another hasher there, which was quite common, Dilly's a small place, and you didn't have the mug, then you had to buy a drink for every hasher that was there. But if you did have the mug, you drank for free for the whole night. Whoa. So I I just threw it in my school bag and I took my school bag everywhere. So fortunately, I never fell foul of the rule where I had to buy everybody else a drink, but plenty of people had to buy me some drinks. Yeah, that sounds like a fraternity pledging ritual. That's a, that's a great thing to put on a hash. Is there any chance you're going to try to introduce that in Budapest? 
Unfortunately, in a lot of ways, Budapest is the hash that change forgot. The, a lot of the, the older, more established members are very resistant to change here, and it has to be done oh so slowly. I would love to bring it in tomorrow if it was down to me. When did you arrive in Budapest? I arrived in Budapest in August. One of the first things that shocked me was for, for such a big city. I mean, I come from Dili, where we had 20 to 30 hashes, and Dili's tiny. When I arrived here in Budapest, to see the, the low number of hashes absolutely blew me away. I couldn't believe that it was a group of 10 to 12 people. Eventually, I started to bring people, just people that I met round and about, and I'd talk about hash, and they'd express an interest, and I'd bring them along. And eventually, a couple of months after I arrived, they made me GM. Wow. Where did you get your hash name? Uh, I got it in Dili. One of the traditions there is that it was the prick of the week got named, or when you ran your fifth hash. And... The RA that I spoke about, Nuts On, he was desperate to get me named as soon as possible. So he nominated me for this ridiculously small charge during the circle. That's how I ended up as Prick of the Week. I mean, me talking too much. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. But hey, in Delhi, it's a little different to here in Budapest. In Budapest, when the naming ceremony is going on, you're sent away and the hashes discuss it. Whereas in Dili, you're present. You're actually kneeling in the circle while everyone around you discusses what your hash name's going to be. I'm a very hairy person. I have a big rug of chest hair and hairy legs, hairy arms. Originally, Nutson wanted to call me Doormat, which I was very upset about and actually said, if you call me this, I will not be back. Because wow. the connotations of a doormat, someone who gets walked all over, that's not something I wanted to carry around the world with me. Fortunately, there was a lawyer who was there. His hash name was Bottom Feeder, and he came up with Sasquatch. And immediately, everybody in the circle went, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the name for this guy. And so that's how I got it. Which method of naming do you like better? Present or out in the sequestered? Uh, difficult to say. I think I preferred it when the person was actually there only because it would allow them to veto any names that they really, really didn't want. For example, we have one girl here, she's Russian, and they wanted to call her Put-In. I said, no, that's too political, that's not something that I think is cool. I would have preferred not to have to do that, I would have preferred that she'd been there to say, no, please don't call me that. We've also had a couple of hashes that we've named who were sent away and they're very rarely there anymore they used to be kind of regular attendees and then they got their names they really don't like it i understand that you can't pick your hash name but maybe getting one veto is not always a bad thing mm -hmm. yeah let me ask you about this growing of the hash in budapest i visited 2004 and it was a handful of people it's five people what approach did you use to grow the hash there? Because most hashes in the world are more or less stable or shrinking. I started bringing a couple of people that I'd met just at meetup. I'm a very social person, and one of the things that I love is when I arrive in a new country, I hit the ground running. I arrived in Budapest and said, hey, I'm going to get out there and meet as many people as I can. Going out to various different things, a pub quiz here, an international language meetup there, a badminton club. I started very, very slowly just bringing two or three people in, and those two or three people stayed. When I was put in as GM, they said, we really want you to grow this group. So the first thing I did was to go back to the meetups, the badminton club, the pub quiz, and start saying to even more people, hey, come give this a try. 
my expectation was honestly for one, maybe two out of ten to want to stay. I mean, especially if you bring in young people into an older crowd, it can be quite difficult to get them to assimilate into that group. But right. the more people I brought, the more people kept coming. And then eventually I managed to get the mismanagement committee to agree to me using Facebook once a month. I would have preferred to do it once a week, but hey, this was the decision of the mismanagement. And so I posted, does anybody want to come on this hike? And we had, I think, 10 cash virgins that weekend. Since then, I just have been talking to people and I've managed to bring in people who bring in people. That's the other thing. I stepped away from the hash for quite a while and it was nice to know that other people were still introducing hash virgins. It wasn't just all on my shoulders because at the beginning, when we did the who are you kind of introduction in the circle and it's who are you, where are you from, what are you doing in Hungary and who made you come? It was just Sasquatch, 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 Sasquatch all the time. Mm -hmm. Now it's nice to show up at the hash when I haven't been for a couple of weeks and see new faces. So it all just kind of snowballed from the initial addition of five or six new members. And then once the younger crowd started coming and seeing people in their 20s and 30s, it became a really nice mix of age groups and background. And it's a really nice place to be. Cool. Now, you labeled the hash as a hike to people who knew nothing about it. Mm -hmm. A little bit of spin there to get them in the door, was it? Definitely. Budapest is a, is a place for hikers. You go on any of the Facebook groups and you see it as hikes, 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 hikes everywhere. There's a lot of the people that are organizing are charging 10,000 forints, which comes to about 25 British pounds, about 30 bucks. Most Hungarians can't afford that. We originally had hash cash at 500 forints. I said that can be higher. We moved it to 1,000, but you get a beer in the circle for that. And then obviously you can bring your own if you want. And it's not prohibitively expensive. The idea was that I worded the Facebook post in such a way that it didn't give anybody unrealistic expectations, but it warned off the kind of people that would come and complain. I think I put something like, please note that this is not for the easily offended. Ah, now, yeah. that as much, as much as keeping some people away will actually draw some people in and they'll be, they'll be thinking, why? What, what's going on? This is just a hike. No one offends anyone on a hike. <laughs> Some people would come along and the best thing about it is the length of the trail. These people come in and they get to know the, the blobs and the checkpoints and do the Father Abraham and it's all fun. By the time they get to the circle where it might turn some people off, they're so invested. They've spent such a nice day with people that are fun loving and especially the fact that we don't generally discuss COVID. We would just get out of the city and we'd talk bollocks. It would be trying to make people forget about the situation in the city. So they've spent a nice day in good company. They get to the circle. We start singing hash songs, doing hash charges. Even if the songs are a little bit too near the knuckle for them, they're offsetting four hours of a great trail for 20 to 30 minutes of maybe being a little bit uncomfortable with some of the songs and some of the stuff that's being said. And that, I think, is why people came back. Nice. What about this idea of Father Abraham? Do you have song checks during the trail? Just that one. Ah. Something that I'd never seen in Dili. So the first day that I showed up on the Hashia, I mean, in Dili, we didn't even use flour. We had a live hair every time because Dili, there is just dust and sand everywhere. It's so hot that the trails were maybe an hour at most. 
The flower I knew about because I'd been to a hash in London just once. And also I'd done a little bit of reading up on kind of hash, what it is. But then we arrived at this FA and I had no idea what it was. And even though I was a hasher and I had my hash name and I'd been hashing for around a year at that point, it was nice to see something that I'd never seen before. And what I've tried to do since I come here is integrate some of the hash songs that I knew from Dilly and learn some of the new ones here in Budapest. And then if I go hash somewhere else, then I'll try and bring something back. You are GM, but you, you do not run the circle in Budapest. That's the RA's job there, right? Indeed, yeah. Bankrupt is the one that runs the circle. As far as these positions go, will you hold that post until you resign? Is it annual? Are there any kind of elections? It's difficult to say. When I arrived here, the GM was a dog. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even joking. We had a, a, a very regular hasher here called Paprika Smiley, and I spoke to him and said, look, I think I can do a good job with this. And so we had a mismanagement meeting. Bankrupt took over as RA. I took over as GM through an election. As far as when the next one happens, it's very difficult to say. We haven't actually had a mismanagement meeting, a proper mismanagement meeting since then. It's over six months since we've had a mismanagement meeting because a lot of our members are older. So even setting it up on Zoom is difficult. Some of the more traditional hashers, especially some of the older hashers, would find it difficult to join in and we wouldn't want them to feel excluded. So hopefully soon we'll be able to arrange one. We'll discuss what happens next. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're adapting well to the situation on the ground and growing the hash is good news and a a situation a lot of hashers would like to be in. What are some of the people beyond the ones you've already mentioned who influenced you in the hashing and supported you or encouraged you to take the lead? The Dilly Hash, there were three or four key members. I've already mentioned 3D and that's on. Our hash hash was a Scottish guy called Whiskey Dick, who was a really, really good friend of mine. Between the four of us and then also our songmeister, Brewers Troop, it didn't seem like a daunting task to take on the role of RA when they asked me. When I came here, I'm not sure I would have wanted to take on the GM role if it hadn't been for bankrupt. But then our songmeister here, Rabies, is just one of the most inspirational people, not just hashes. He's one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. I mean, this guy is in his, I think, late 60s. And he still goes micro light flying. It's astonishing that he's not dead. He sings hash songs in two languages. He's definitely one that has influenced me since I've got here. COVID will change things and continue to change things for a while. Once restrictions are wide open, are you planning to do things like Eurohash and other bigger regional hash events? I looked into Eurohash and was definitely planning to go. The big issue for me was that they closed the schools here in Budapest. I'm a teacher and they closed the schools and we were going to have to teach online. And I said, for my own sanity, I need to go back to the UK for a few weeks, touch base with the family and teach from there for a while. Unfortunately, because of COVID, that cost me a hell of a lot of money and it's it's left me. I probably could afford to go to Eurohash, but it would it would be tight. Money is the only thing that's stopping me going. If money was no object, I'd be hashing in a different country every week if it was possible. Right. What I would really like to do, and it's all dependent on how things turn out here, is I already had the idea of contacting the Prague hash and contacting the Vienna hash and then having a look around and seeing possibly about if there are any hashes in Slovenia, Slovakia, Hungary brilliantly located for international hashing. I would love the opportunity to welcome other hashers here to Budapest and also to go to other places 
take some of the, the hashes with me and for us to be able to pick up some of their traditions and see how things are done. A lot of people are new. They've only ever hashed in Budapest. They've only ever seen how we do things. It's definitely beneficial when you ask me about the difference between Dili and Budapest. They're very different hashes with the same core values, but the actual way that they're run and the traditions and things like that are very, very different. So I'd like people to get a different perspective. I'd like someone to see how a different GM runs things or how a different RA runs the circle, that kind of stuff. And how would you describe to someone who doesn't know, what are the core values of hashing? The core values of hashing are fun and family. Hmm. A lot of people who are hashers are expats. We don't have our regular family here. The hash becomes a surrogate family. If I needed something when I was in Dili, I went to the hash people. If I'm desperately in need of something here in Budapest, okay, my social circle's a little wider here, but still, I would, if I was in desperately in need of something, bankrupt is probably the first person I'd call. So I'd say that it's kind of like a surrogate family. We looked after each other through the winter. We had hash socials. I opened up my place. One of our regular hashes, Rampant Rabbit, frequently opened and still opens his place for hash socials. Some of the others, uh, Titty Tata had something at her place. Definitely family would be one, and I would say fun. The idea is that it's a group of people that don't take themselves too seriously. The idea of, of a group of people that you find it very difficult to offend. I work with a lot of younger kind of millennials, and sometimes I'm told, you can't say that. Well, two things about this. One, I just did. And two, I can go to the hash at the weekend and say that and no one will bat an eyelid. I described it during the winter as a bubble. From the moment you arrive and you pay your hash cash to the moment you sing the hash hymn, you can do or be whatever the hell you like. 99% of people are going to be accepted. If you spend the whole week being this serious professional. When I was in Dili, I worked with people. Sorry, I hashed with people who worked for the UN all week. They had to mind their P's and Q's and all week they had to be these serious characters. And then come the weekend, they could drink and be known by a, a hash name and sing daft songs and, and whatnot. That is how I described it. It's a bubble away from normalcy, away from the everyday struggle. You just come to hash and you just be. If you want to just come to hash and not really take part, just be there among the group. That's absolutely fine. If you want to come and be this big, loud character because all week you've had to kind of repress things at work, then you can do that too. So I would say that fun and family are definitely my core values for what the hash is. That's nice. That's a nice testimonial. I think we probably need to make that into a commercial someday if we ever need to advertise. No, I think you said it all. <laughs> Very well, and just you said, it's not, it's only, you've only been a couple of years, but you and the hash essence seem to be a perfect match already. That's very nice. Have you guys considered doing, when travel restrictions are away, an away hash in Egger or something, where the whole hash travels to another city for a special event? Interesting that you say that, um, only because I'm going to Egger this weekend. The issue is that the core hash principle in Budapest, and I'm not talking about the core hash principle on the whole, but the main thing here is inclusion. Everybody has to be included. And mm -hmm. anything that might be prohibitively expensive is immediately vetoed. Right. I would love the opportunity to grab a group of hashes, grab the whole group of hashes, and say, hey, 
let's go to Egea. Or, hey, let's go to even Centenda, which is not too far from Budapest. Mm-hmm. But because of the, the traveling costs, because of the travel time involved, I never felt like it was the right moment to suggest it. Because I, I get the feeling that there would be quite a lot of pushback. And what I don't want to do is divide the hash by saying, hey, we're going to run a Budapest hash on Sunday and we're also going to run an Egea hash on Sunday. If you want to come to Egea, great. If you want to stay in Budapest, fine. I'm reluctant to do that because I don't want to draw that line. Mm-hmm. Unless the, the ethos of the Budapest hash itself can be changed, and I really, really hope it can, certain things are always going to be a little bit beyond us, I think. Mm-hmm. What about special events? I think that Budapest has tried a red dress hash. If you had any experience with red dress hashing, which is kind of a wide hash tradition. Oh, yes. I did the red dress run in Dili. Let's just say that the country is only, has only been a country since 2002. So it's a very, very new country. Their knowledge of the wider world is limited to Australia and Indonesia, maybe a little bit of Portugal because they're a former colony. But they're not used to anything out of the norm and suddenly when you're walking along the street and there are 20 to 30 foreigners all in red dresses it caused quite a bit of a stir I'll be honest with you we were very very careful because the previous year the red dress run before I joined the red dress run went through one of the local markets and some of the the uh, the more conservative market stall holders took offense to men in red dresses and were actually chasing them and throwing things at them So we were very careful about the route that we planned for the one that I did. But it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. And I've already been on to bankrupt and said we need to organize that here. But in Dili, it was always the hash closest to Valentine's Day. Now, in Dili, it's 30 degrees year round. Here, it's still not really warmed up, even though it's May. It's unseasonably cold at the moment. But during the summer, I think definitely a red dress run will be called for. A lot of the Red Dresses runs, as it evolved, turned into a fundraising event. Is that something you can work out with the way you need to keep the costs low? Again, my experience in Dili was something that I really wanted to replicate here. Nutson was the previous GM, and then he stepped down and became RA. And he'd set up a lot of things that I think would be wonderful. One of them was to have a hash charity or charities that we would work with. Uh, I remember one year, the, the only Christmas I spent in Dili was going to a local school, barbecuing sausages and things like that for a load of homeless children from the local convent, mm. which was incredible. There were only four of us there. But we had our hash gear on and made a difference to these kids, amongst other things that were going on. But we fed them, and, and that was fantastic. And he was responsible for that tradition. He was also responsible for getting us a hash bar which is something that I really wanted to bring in in Budapest. Okay, we didn't get discounts in there, but you got certain privileges. If you went in and you didn't have any money with you and you were a hasher, you got a slate behind the bar and they say, yeah, just come in and pay it whenever you want. What I wanted to do here in Budapest was to try and find someone where I say, look, I can promise you a group of X size. Can you give us some kind of discount? And to have maybe... If you've got a hash name, you get a hash card and you show that card and you get 10% discount. I have a lot of ideas, if you haven't noticed already. It's definitely something that if it was only down to me, that I would already have implemented a hash charity and a hash bar. It's slowly, slowly with change here. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of experienced hashers, certainly on this podcast, will talk to people who've been hashing for 50 years or 20 years 
And at, they will be very encouraged to hear that regardless of your age, your newness to the hash, you bring with it passion, hash values, and vision for the future and engaging millennials. I think that's all very welcome and good news for the hash. Absolutely. I would, I would hate to see the hash die out. It was a huge part of my life in Dili. And when I came to Budapest and I saw that the group that we had was small, they will admit, I, I remember one, once hearing something like, if we don't do something soon, this hash will die off as we die off one by one, which was a bit maudlin, but the hash values, fun element is something that doesn't appeal to everybody, but it can certainly appeal to a much wider demographic than just older expats, I guess. People will hear this, and a lot of people may have, over the years, realized that Budapest was a very small hash, and it's growing now, so it may become a more appealing place for people to say, hey, let's take a road trip and go visit Budapest Hash, hearing this enthusiasm and great attitude going on there. I certainly hope so. Most of the stories that I know are stuff that I've heard from others. Most of my hash stories, I would go as far as to say are pretty tame, but I'm sure over the years I'll manage to rectify that somewhere. Let me ask you one final question. Shoot. Is the RA always right? Absolutely. Nothing more to be said. No. The RA is always right. <laughs> All right. So maybe that was a look at the future of hashing. One of the young, enthusiastic hashers is helping revive a hash kennel in Budapest. This is the On On Podcast. I'm going to thank Sasquatch for coming by today. Hasher memories, hasher stories, and hasher voices. New episodes every week. Until next time, on on. This is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me. Amen.